Welcome to the Parkway Live Church Podcast. Thank you for taking time to let God's Word impact you. Always encouraged to know God is touching lives through this ministry. Please visit parkwaylife.com to let us know. You can also hit the giving tab to sow into the ministry that you are experiencing. Now, prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. So I'm going to talk about, we're in a series called In My Feels, In My Feels, and um, we've been talking about uh, anxiety. Somebody told me this week they never heard a message on anxiety, and so we talked about anxiety. We talked about depression, um, things that people are dealing with life. We talked about anger. Um, we've talked about some things that are unique, but today I'm excited about uh, where we're going. And we talked about in, in this series, emotions are not the problem but indicators of the problem. Everybody has emotions. Everybody has emotions, but emotions are not the problem, but the indicators of the problem. Emotions tell us what is really going on in our heart, and I would even add in our mind. And so uh, they're, they're that smoke. Um, they're like a smoke coming from the fire of your life, and, and the smoke, when you look and find where the smoke's coming from, you find out what the real issues are. And so we're kind of delving into things and looking at in our emotions where things are, are coming from. So when things pop up, we're going, hey, let's, let's see what's going on here. And uh, before I get into my message today, I, I want to stop and say thank you. Uh, first of all, welcome to all of you. Second of all, welcome to all of our online family that's watching us. Uh, and then also, uh, thank you for, for honoring um, me as a pastor, my wife and I. Uh, I, I must have got 20 cards last week of, of people just saying kind things, and some of you put a couple goodies in there. And thank you, thank you so much. It means so much to Adina and I. And uh, we really, from the bottom of our heart, um, sometimes it's hard to catch people uh, and tell them thank you, but I just want to, from the top, bottom of my heart, tell you thank you. Thank you for the kind words. Thank you for loving all of our pastoral staff. Uh, that means so much to all of us. So today I'm going to talk about feeling green, feeling green. And when I say feeling green, I don't know what, when you think green, what that means. Uh, but we often use a statement that you'll kind of know what this, we're going, man, they're what, they're what with envy. They're green with envy. So uh, feeling green, and so that's why we call this message today because we're really going to go into envy, and you probably think, well, this may be an issue I don't have a problem with, and, and maybe you do not, and maybe it's just for all the online family. <laughs> but, um, but we're going to talk from Numbers chapter 11, Numbers chapter 11, and we're going to go from verses 1 and through verse 6, and I am going to, for the next few minutes, just kind of um, talk through this story. Instead of reading the, all of the verses, kind of talk you through what's going on to kind of uh, help it stick with you just a little bit. But here's what's going on in these verses. The children of Israel, Israel are about a year out uh, from being delivered from slavery. So I want you to understand this. They've been out of slavery for about 13 months. A year to 13 months, that's a short amount of time that they've been out of slavery, okay? They are, and it was bad for them in Egypt. I mean, real bad. You need to know that. It was real bad. But they're out of slavery. They've been in the desert, heading towards the promised land for about 13 months, and they are passing through the wilderness. And God is just blessing them. He said, I am your God. You are my people. They never had a God. He's never had a people like this. Man, this, it's a cool connection. And this is the first kind of semblance of, of the church in the Old Testament. 
And so we're seeing this happen, and it's a beautiful story. And so God says, hey, you know what I'm going to do? You're out in this desert. It's hot. I'm going to put a cloud uh, in your daytime to walk with you that's just going to walk with you and just cover you. And isn't that beautiful? And at nighttime in the, in the wilderness, you get cold, and so I'm going to make a cloud of fire by night, and, and it's going to warm you. And I mean, God's just taking care of his kids. And, 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 then, and then they have, uh, they want something to eat, of course, and so uh, he, he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you your own special deal, man. I'm going I'm to do something, I'm, I'm going to be a chef for you that uh, just like, give you something nobody's ever seen and so he drops his stuff and it's called manna which means what is it and and they just start eating it's just good and they and they just eat this and things are going well and it just this manna this wafer that comes from the sky uh, is taking care of them completely it supplies all their vitamins and it, it does everything they need and every morning it's provided for them and they just walk out and pick it up do y'all that's just cool that's just cool stuff and now and now, just like, just like you and I probably would, they start complaining. Man, you can't be far from blessing and you'll start complaining, huh? As soon as you get used to your blessing, you start complaining. I, I say you. Well, I'm just talking about all of us, all right? And, and they start complaining and you're like, me and you are like, what? But they do, they start complaining and, and they're openly complaining before the Lord and they're complaining about the hardships that they're having. And the Bible says the Israelites wept and said, who will feed us meat? They're like, thanks for the wafers. We need some meat. They had to be originally traveling from southeast Texas, I think. And verse 5, it says, this is where, this is where I want to lean into it a little bit. It says, Y'all, y'all got to hear this. We remember the fish, the free fish we ate in Egypt. People, there's nothing free. You were eating fish in Egypt, but you were getting your back beat. You were in chains, for goodness sakes. They said, we remember the fish we ate in Egypt along with the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlics and the olives and the pastries and the, and the scones. I mean, I, I'm just kind of amplifying it a little bit, but I mean, they said the leeks and the onions and the cucumbers. I mean, we're, we remember all that. We're, man, we lived like kings back then. Like, you, are you crazy? I mean, literally, y'all, it was bad in Egypt. They were the slaves. They were the ones that were, I mean, I'm telling you, if they, if they, if they weren't working hard enough, they'd beat them to death. They were, they were mean to them. But then they say in verse 6, but now our, oh, you've got to hear this, I'm, but now our appetite is gone. There's nothing to look at but this manna. Our appetite is gone. I'm going with the works on that a little bit. Verse 10. And Moses heard the people weeping throughout their clans, everyone at the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord blazed hotly. God got ticked off. Okay, you don't want to tick off God. All right, so I'm going to talk to you for a few minutes about Phil and Green, and, and I want to say, first of all, let's establish what is envy. What is envy, okay? Let's talk about this because, man, I feel really good about this message. I think you're going to, it's going to bless you. 
Envy is wanting what you don't have. I'm trying to make it as simple as we can, okay? Envy is wanting what you don't have. Or it's feeling like what you have is not enough that you deserve more. And this is a real clincher that you are owed more by God. Man, you might want to take a picture of that right there because that's the heart of what's going on here, okay? So he can kind of give you a heart check when you see an emotion come up. Hey, is this this what's going on? This is envy. This isn't the Ten Commandment deal. This is a biggie. And so, in in fact, most of us, this is a kind of a tough statement, especially early on in the message. So I'm going to softly, gently come into this, but there's really no soft, gently way to come into it, and that is this. Most of us kind of think jealousy is, or envy is one of these deals. It's kind of a cute little jealousy thing. It's not. The real heart of it is a grudge against God. I told you it's a little tough for early on the message. It's a grudge against God. You're really, really, really mad at God because you feel like you deserve more. You feel like you deserve more. That's why sometimes when I see things don't go people's way just like they want to, they'll, they'll, they'll go on, uh, uh, they're, they're gonna, they'll isolate, they'll, they'll, they'll walk away from church, walk away from God. Walk, they're mad at God because they think they deserve more. And so, so it's, it's, let's, let's look at this today. And, and so envy can start with discontent. It can really, it kind of comes off innocently as discontent with what you have, and you're not really crazy about what you have, and then it turns quickly into resentment and then towards others who have the things that you want. So it kind of starts off discontent. Man, I don't really like where I'm at. I don't like the house I've got. I don't like this. I don't like my car. I don't like, it's kind of, it's kind of seems kind of simple. And then, and then it turns off to resentment on, wait, 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 wait. They have the car that I want. They have the house that I want. They have the job that I want. They have the spouse that I want. And so uh, it turns, not only do we wish that, that, that you had what they have, you despise that person for having what you want. So you start getting, I don't just want it and, and I don't just resent them. I start really almost hating them for the fact that they have it. So I'm just talking to you today, all right? And, you know, and the Bible tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice and what? Weep with those who weep. Is that the right? Is that the right scripture? Let me tell you what envy tells you to do. Envy is the opposite. Envy weeps with over those who are rejoicing and rejoices over those who are weeping. So when you are nervous about or you're upset, you're really resenting what somebody else has, all of a sudden they're weeping and you're going, yes, it's about time. They lose their job and it's the job you always wanted. Well, it's about time. I should have been the one in there in the first place. You would never say that, but it's a, it becomes a heart thing. And so, and so envy thrives off of comparison. And so this, let me zero in on this. Envy thrives off of comparison. And comparing your situation with someone else's situation. And, and the first that I want to talk about here today is the types of comparison that we do is material comparison. In other words, in other words, like this, uh, he posts a picture of his truck, and and when he posts a picture of his truck, 
I was real happy with my car until I saw the picture of his truck and now my car, I don't even really care for my car anymore because I want his truck. Or she posts a picture of the brownies that she just got through making and posted on the internet. Or let me say, in, in 2020, it's like this. She posts a picture of the brownies on the internet and you look at the pictures but you're not looking at the picture of her brownies. You're looking at her countertops and you're looking at uh, how she has the room decorated and you're looking at the cute little turn knobs on her cabinets and you're looking at the cute little saying she's got in the back, the little inspirational quote and you're going, oh, what a life in her perfect little kitchen. And you look at your kitchen and go, dear goodness. Or it could be relational comparison. That's material comparison. That's one type of comparison. But another way is relational comparison. In other words, you, you, see, a, you, see, <laughs> you see a post of all your friends, and again, and again, you were not invited Again, you were not invited. Or the, even worse than that, you see a post that for goodness sake, you were cut out of the picture. <laughs> Come on now. Come on now. You were cut out of the picture and you're going, I was there. And you were, you were cut out of the picture. Or, maybe, or you're, maybe you're not married and it seems like every other person it's married, you know it's married, and, and why are they married and I am not? And all that goes through your mind. <laughs> or, or you get that Christmas card in the mail. We're getting close to that time again. And you, you get that Christmas card in the mail, and, and it's from your bestie, and it comes in, and it's like her and her husband and their five kids and, and, and the dog, Got to throw the dog in there, and they're they're standing holding cheesy little block letters of their last name, and everybody has on the same shirt, even the dog, and they've gathered this for a picture, and you start going, I'd like to do this in my family. Oh God, I can't even. My family is dysfunction junction. You know, when we, our picture would be standing in front and everybody going. And, you're, and, and so you're looking at all of this and all of a sudden envy starts kind of rising up and, and, and you're going, that picture of them standing in front of the barn, that's not even their stinking barn. And you're frustrated. You're frustrated with all of this that's going on and you just wish you had someone else's life because their life looks better than your life. Tim Keller, who's one of my favorite theologians, writers, whatever you want to say, coined a word and he said, he called it comparisonitis. And we, we compare and it turns in like a disease way worse than COVID-19. And sociologists, sociologists say that envy 
seems to be a bigger problem for our generation than any other generation before us because of what, y'all know what it is? Social media, man. And here's why. When we look at other people's lives on social media, listen closely, we are comparing our behind-the-scenes footage with their highlight reel. We're comparing the very best that they have with what we know as the worst of us. And so, man, you know, you know, you, you, you was feeling all good about your flowers you had got from your husband on your birthday and that he made you a meal and cooked you a meal and everything's good. And then you look on social media and again, your bestie has a picture of her uh, on her birthday getting like a pony. And they're riding in Europe with like the cast from Hamilton or something. And you're looking and you're, you're like, I... My husband is pitiful. All I got was flowers. All I, all I received was a meal, and, and, and they're like, and you don't even know they're like on the verge of divorce, but all you see, come on, am I talking to anybody today? And nobody's gonna say, yeah, I mean, that's, that's one, it's not one of the messages you go, yeah, you talking to me, baby. There, there were two moms in a, uh, and a group that admitted some things to one another. And, and this, this is so, so powerful because it's, it's kind of a picture of the story, but they, they, were, they admitted that they absolutely hated one another from social media. They admitted to one another. And one was a working mom, and she was like, I'll just be honest with you, I just hated you because you were like the perfect Pinterest mom that had it all together. You stayed at home. You did the crafts. You did all the structured things for your kids. They went to bed at a certain time. They woke up in the morning smiling because that's what I always saw. And I just, it made me feel so guilty. And I just hated you for it. And the other lady said back to her, said, well, I... You hear my side of the story. I hated you because I was a stay-at-home mom. I was a stay-at-home mom, and I hated you because you had a life. You were out working. You were making money, and you're, you're out in the public, and I've not had my hair in anything but like a ponytail and had not had an adult conversation since 2017, and I hated you for it. And they begin to talk, and here are two people longing for, listen to this, longing for what the other person has based on a filtered presentation. The Bible treats envy as far more than a serious little petty jealousy. One translation, and I read it to you and amplified it when I was reading it to you earlier, it says, they're walking through the desert, and they said, our appetite is gone. In the Hebrew, that right there means this. Our, listen to this, our souls are dried up. One translation says our life force is dried up. I want to say it this way. 
Envy destroys our appetites or our ability to enjoy anything. You can, have you ever looked at someone and go, man, they've got, they seem to have it all, but they're so unhappy. They've got this, they've got this, they've got this. I've had conversations with people about other people that go, man, I don't understand why, what, what is the deal? Why are they? Because you, when you get envy in your heart, you can be in the middle of the, the most blessed situation, but you can't see it. You are no longer able to enjoy what you have, and that's what envy does to you. Martin Luther said that this way. He said, there are ten commandments, and thou shalt not covet is the number ten in the ten commandments. And he said this. He said, it's number ten but don't, you know, don't think that just it's the last one, it's not needed. He said, really, to be honest with you, it's the last because if you do this one, you're probably not going to fall into any of the others. Thou shalt not cover or thou shalt not envy. In other, words, in other words, he's saying this, the reason you lie, the reason you steal, the reason you commit adultery, even kill is usually because of envy. Is that powerful? I know you are like scared to say amen because you're like going, I don't want anybody to think I got envy. <laughs> so what are the root causes of envy? Let's talk about that. What are the root causes of envy? Here, and I want to give you about three points here on the root cause. And that is this. Envy forgets God's goodness poured out in your past. You forget how good God's been to you in your yesterdays. And envy forgets that. It wants to help you forget that. And they are 13 months out from being slaves. And they totally forget it. I mean, they totally forget it. And now they're saying any, insane things like, yeah, but the food was awesome, man. Sure, we ate in chains, but the onions were exquisite. I mean, come on, people. They, envy caused them to forget what God had done in their past. Do y'all remember, I mean, like the plagues on Egypt and God's like, I'm fighting for my kids. I'm splitting Red Seas. I'm, I'm, I'm taking out, I'm fighting for them. There's, I mean, I'm, I'm sending frogs and locusts and everything else on the enemy trying to get you out. I'm fighting for you. I'm behind you. And there's a worship choir going, ooh. And all we can think is, I'm tired of what I'm eating now. Because we forget what, what, that God had come through in our past. And they totally seem oblivious to where God had intervened in their life. How, how many, I just want to stop and put a time out on this message here just a minute. How many of you would be willing to stand with me right here in this service and say, God has been good to me. Don't clap for me, clap for him. He's been good to me, man. <laughs> Let's do this again, you ready? Man, I think everybody in the house stood, you ready? How many of you, God has been good to you? That's worship. That's worship. Now this time I want to do this. I want to ask you one more time. Not that you're not doing good. I don't mean that. But I want to ask you one more time. But this time, don't look at me when you're clapping. 
I want you to give praise to God. Would you do this? How many of you, God, has been good to you in your past? He's been good to you. He's been good to you. He's been good to you. Come on, church, that's beautiful. Give it up to God. Give it up to God. Give it up. He's been mighty, 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 mighty good. Hallelujah. He's been mighty, mighty, mighty good. He's never failed me. He's never forsaken me. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I once was lost. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I should be on the side of the road. I should be in a bar room. I should be drugged out. I should be in a harlot's house. I should be this. I should be broken, busted, disgusted, but I'm in the house of God today, the greatest place in all the world. I once was in slavery, but now I'm in freedom. God's been good. Hallelujah, he's been good. He's been good. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this room right now. And God's saying, come on, kids. I brought you out. You are, I am your God and you are my people. I crave your love. I crave your worship. I crave you remembering the good things that I've done in your past. You may be seated. Thank you for responding to the Lord. And so envy overlooks God's goodness also provided in the present. It makes you forget about what he's done for you in the past, but envy also makes you forget about what he's doing for you in the present. And so the Israelites said, all we have is this manna. It's all we have. And they, they, they basically said, we're going to shrivel up and we're going to die. That's it. We've lost our appetite. My soul's driving up, drying up because of this stinking manna. And it's, it's good. It's nourishing and all that stuff. And they said, we're, we're going to die. I'm going to just tell you this. It was an absolute lie. People, just, let me tell you this. For 40 years, the Bible says this, what I'm about to tell you, their feet didn't swell. People. I'd go to Whataburger one time. And I'm thinking, this is the best hamburger this, in Texas. And my feet swell. Now, I may be pushing it a little bit, but what I'm trying to say is for 40 years in the hot desert, their feet didn't swell. God had everything up in that manna to help them and provide for them. And so envy always assumes Hear this closely. If all I have is what God has gives me and I rely solely upon him, it is not enough for me. My soul is going to dry up. But I'm going to say it just like I did about them. That is a lie. That is a lie. And tragically, tragically, do you see now why it can keep you from enjoying everything else in your life? Because that's what's going through your head and it keeps you, even when you're blessed, you can't see the blessing because somebody else is, looks to be more blessed. And you can't even enjoy the beauty of what God has in your now because, well, look what somebody else has. And the enemy steals the joy of the present.
Oh, man. And God, I'm going to just tell you, by the way, I'm going to stop and say here, God's wanting to deliver you from this today. He's wanting to heal you. This is not just a statement to help you so you don't have to see a therapist. This is a statement. This is a statement to help heal your heart. This is a statement to help keep you in church. This is a statement to help keep your heart and your soul right with the Lord. It's a statement to keep you from, keep you having joy in your life. And, and, and I, boy, you don't think envy's strong? Folks, there's two people God created, made them with his hands, set them out in the earth, called Adam and Eve. They're just got here, David. They're like, they're like, bing. And God says, I'm going to make this perfect place for you. This is going to be awesome, man. I'm going to put this place called the Garden of Eden. It is going to be bad. Can you imagine when God, like, makes a garden? I mean, you're like your husband. He makes a garden. You go, oh, baby, that's good. Or he messes with the front bushes, and you go, hey, man, you really killed it with that hibiscus. That's what my wife likes. And, and God made a garden. Ding, 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 ding. And Adam and Eve, they're in there, and they're like naming animals. Oh, let's call that one a giraffe. Whoop. This is so cool. They're in the beautiful moment, and all they can see is one tree. All they can see is one tree. God says you can have everything that comes from this land, every blessing, but there's this one tree that you can't have. Again, Tim Keller said this, envy will make you think something's wrong even in your paradise. Envy will make you think something's wrong even in paradise. Envy ignores God's goodness promise for also the future. So we talked about the past. The past, he'll make you still and think God's not even present or what didn't ever come through for you back then. He makes you think, well, he's not going to be here for my present or forget about how good he's been to you in your present. But it, it, it also ignores the goodness of God promise for the future. They seem to forget that they're in a journey. When you're in a journey, the the Wherever you're currently at when you're in a journey is temporary. Like, when you're in a journey, you don't stay there. So if you're on a journey and you're going from Koontz to Houston, you're not going to stay in Lumberton. You're moving, right? So if you don't like it here, you're moving. Or you don't like it there, you're going to move. And, 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 so, and so it's a journey. And yet they're thinking that every time they get to a spot, what is temporary is now permanent, and it's not that way. And so they're, they're tr- and so they forget and get to thinking that their temporary is eternal, but they forgot the promise. The reason they're in the desert and the wilderness in the first place is they're on a march to a place called the promised land. And the promised land is a place, the Bible says, a land of milk and honey. It's like, Yes, it's our spot, it's our home. We've never had a place. This is our place. This is where a place God has set aside just for us and it's flowing with milk and honey. In other words, it's, it's just full of blessing and nutrients and goodness and wonder and, and they forget about that what they're going through in the now is not what God has promised them in the future. I wanna just stop and say this. And that is this, church, it's easy for us to get to thinking that what we're going through through currently 
is, is always going to be this way. <laughs> that, no, no, I'm going I'm I'm to take this into eternal situation. The great thing for the church is no matter what you're currently going through, there is going to come a day when the heartache is going to pass away. I mean, even, I want it to all be in the now, but I'm just telling you, don't forget about your eternal reward. Don't forget about your incredible retirement package. Come on, you gotta remember that as bad as things get in the now, I'm gonna just tell you, as hot as the sun gets, as tough as the struggle is, as hot as the wilderness gets, don't forget that this is not our home we're just passing through. We're on a journey. And you as a Christian and I as a Christian, we have to remember this, that heaven, this earth is not our home. We're going to, God's got a place prepared for you. He said, I've got a place prepared for you. He's building a mansion with your last name and block letters on the front of it that you don't even have to send a cheesy postcard home with it. I mean, it's like God... On your name, on it's got it's it's your place. He says, and that's just a little bit of it. You've got gold, the most precious thing on our earth. It's like it's like tar up there. It's like they're they're we're driving our heavenly mobiles on them, whatever that looks like. And you say, I know what it looks like. It's like my friend's car. That's envy, people. No, it's <laughs> that's funny right there. So so. In other words, God has prepared for you a place. No matter how, don't forget about your future. I want to stop and say this. Church, we forget about our heavenly reward. Old time, old time, old time preachers used to always preach about heaven and hell. And maybe we don't preach about heaven and hell like we used to, but I got to tell you, they're all still there. It's still a part of eternity, but I gotta tell you, the good things that still on this Christian thing, your heavenly reward is heaven. Heaven. It's heaven. It's a good thing. And God's got it all set up for you and your future. And so now I wanna talk about those are the three things that kind of steal, envy tries to steal. What God's done for her past, what God's done for us in our present and what God's doing for us in our future. But now I want to zero in and as I kind of start wrapping and moving towards the end of this message, but still, it's the, to me the, the, the PowerPoint of this message. And listen to this closely. Envy is healed on the altars of what you worship. Now people, this is so powerful that you're going to have to think about it a little bit. Envy is healed on the altars of your worship. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the Apostle Paul references the root issue. This is New Testament, 1 Corinthians 10, references the issue that the children of Israel had, the root issue going on. Please hear me because I'm just telling you, I know they're getting ready to sing, but I'm not through. This is the point. 1 Corinthians 10, he references the main issue that's going on with the Israelites in this issue. And he says, it's idolatry. It's idolatry. Now please stay with me. Idolatry, you say, well, I don't see them have little gold things sitting around and worshiping. No, no. 
Idolatry is when you love and crave and worship something more than you worship God. Envy arises out of misplaced worship. If you want to understand, oh, this is good. If you want to understand what you worship, follow your envies. You envy those people who have the things that you worship. If you love popularity, if you love prestige, or if you are envious of those who have more friends and influence than you, if you love thinking of yourself as the perfect mom, the perfect homemaker, you envy others, mothers who seem to be doing it better. Whatever you worship, if you, if you follow the smoke trail, if you follow the smoke trail of your envies down to the fires, so you smell the smoke fire of your envies down to the fires you've built at the altars of worship. There is where the real problem is. I have worshipped the wrong things in my life. I'm going to ask a question today that is a huge question. I'm not going to have it on the screen. I'm mad at myself for this. I want to ask you a question. When, this is tough, when will, when will God be enough for you? When will the Lord be enough for you? If you will answer that question, it's possibly the day you become a Christian. When will the Lord just be enough for you? You say, I've been a Christian a long time. But when I answer that question, it's like, I think something might have just happened into me. When will the Lord be enough? I think he's asking the Israelites. I've done all kind of blessings around you. And you're not recognizing. And you're wanting what everybody else has. And it's still in the joy of your moment, but... When is it enough that you just, that you have me and you love me? I was thinking about that question and I've watched, um, I've watched our church go through things. I've been pastoring here. December will be 19 years. I've watched our church go through some stuff. We've, we've had some stuff. We've had some hurricanes, and every time something big happens, I always see something. I hate to see those things coming. Let me tell you why. I, I, I watch us lose. I watch us lose people every time. Every time. I'm like, and this is why. In those times, this time it was COVID. 
so the church has to shut down for a season. And I mean, this has been the toughest time for everybody, but can you imagine, can you imagine on the church? Only time I know in the history of t- mankind, man, well, history of my life, that we've shut the doors of the church for a season. People, and it's not gone. People still struggle with this. If every time we've gone through a hardship, we've lost people. And people that never come back to God are getting messed up in their spirit. And I think it's this. I think if we could ask this question, when is Jesus just enough? When is it? matter if what comes our way what what does it matter if the church goes through a season where we are up against it with with government right now in California they're, they're still struggling they can't even have church and you'll wash out of that you'll wash out of a church if it's been that like But when is Jesus just enough that you fall so in love with Christ that no matter the wilderness, no matter the struggle, no matter the sickness, no matter the hurt, no matter the struggle, you just know it rains on the just and unjust, but I'm so glad that I have Jesus. That in the middle of my hurt and brokenness, I'm not going to look around and go, well, they got it better, they got it better, they got it better, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to slip out. When does it just become enough that you are faithful to the house of God, you're faithful to the love of God, you're, just because Jesus is enough? <laughs> I'm preaching my soul to you today. When is he enough, man? When is it enough that it fires your soul, that it fires your heart? When envy is stripped out of our lives, I'm telling you, there is a fresh fire that comes. And we, 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 we preach about the fire of the Holy Ghost, but the fire of the Holy Ghost can set on us, but if we're not careful, we'll look and think somebody else has got a stronger fire than us. It comes a moment when we just have to stop and say, Lord, I thank you that I feel your presence right now. I thank you that, Lord, you love me in spite of me. I thank you that, oh, my goodness, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. When God is just enough, would you stand with me today? Would you stand with me today? And so the last thing I want to tell you is the secret to contentment. Because it's really about being content. The secret to contentment is seeing how much you have really been given by the Lord. Seeing how much you've really been given. So how much have y'all really been given? How much have I really been given? No, not what you don't have, but what you've been given. Are you thankful for that? Are you thankful for that? This is not a message to beat us up, man. It's not. It's a message, it's a message that really is a Ten Commandment type message from number 10. It's really a message for us to go, hey, we gotta, it's as in my feels, man. I get in my feels and I can and I can really get to thinking that God's not on my team. But I'm just telling you, He's on your team. He's crazy about you. He's crazy in love with you. Does this message speak to, to anybody here today? Because it, it, it really spoke to me in my heart. Maybe I, maybe I, maybe I really needed it, but it, it really spoke to me. Spoke to me. Spoke to me. Is Jesus just enough? Is Jesus just enough? It's not a, not a question to make you feel bad about yourself. I'm just asking, 
when is Jesus really enough? When is Jesus really enough? I don't mean he's not going to give you more. I don't mean that. Don't mean he's through with you. But when is he enough? When, when, when no matter what else, he, he's enough today. He's enough for day, today for me to do this. I'm going to change my loves. I'm going to change my loves. And so I don't want what you have, and I don't want what you have, and I don't want what you have, and I don't want what you have. I, I, I know what I, I, I'm not going to worship at that, at that altar. I'm not going to worship at going, boy, I wish I played the piano because uh, it's been my lifelong goal, and if I don't do it, I'm not happy. And then I see Kim do it, and oh, God. And then, and then oh, if I could sing like Taylor. I mean, I'm just telling you, if I could sing like Taylor, and I fall at the altar of that worship, and all of a sudden I can't do it, then I'm mad that God didn't give me those talents. Or I, 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 I wish I could preach like this one. Or, man, I wish I could. Boy, if I could just preach like that guy on TV or, or that guy who has all those followers or that guy who started preaching during COVID and he's got 14 million followers. Man, I wish I could preach like that. I wish I had his ministry. I wish I, and all of a sudden I can't enjoy the beauty of, of what I've got. Are you with me? I'm saying, I'm just, I'm telling you, this goes for all of us. Man, I wish I had the talent to play like Jimmy does, and I worship at that altar. That doesn't mean I can't learn to play like this, or maybe I do or don't have the talent, but if I worship at that altar, all of a sudden, the smoke that comes from that, if it doesn't happen for me, is all of a sudden envy. And so if you follow the smoke of envies, you'll find that the altar that you're at, the worshiping at, is might be the wrong love is at that altar. And so I'm encouraging you right now to change your love at the altar. That's why I asked you the question, is Jesus enough? Because if Jesus is at this altar, the Bible says he sacrificed himself for you. He's on that altar. Now all you have to do is lay your life with him and say, I carry the cross with you, Lord. I'm here with you. I'm with you. I may carry some crosses in my life. I may have some things, but I want to tell you, I'm at this altar, and you're enough for me. You're enough for me. I don't know what they're going to sing, but I know the God that wants you to worship. Would you just, would you just wish worship him as they begin to sing here today? Just, just come on, pour something out from your soul here today. Pour something from your soul. Oh, God. Hold on, hold on, listen, listen to this. We're going to sing it again, but it's, real, it's still really early. You've only been at church an hour and 15 minutes. Has that been a good hour and 15 minutes or what? But in that moment, I want you to do something today. I, I don't know what this looks like for you. I, wanna, I want you to lay down. Because in, even in studying this message, I found some envies in my heart. And I'm not proud of that, but I'm trying to be honest with that. I found some envies in my heart. And, and, and um, I want to lay those down and pick up. I want to pick up the goodness of God. I want to pick up the goodness of God. I just want to pick up his good. He's good. Well, can you answer all the questions for me, Pastor? I, I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't tell you why your life took that turn or why it took that turn. I, I don't know. I can't tell it why you, why you couldn't get pregnant when you wanted to get pregnant, why you couldn't have a child. I can't tell you. I can't tell you why this. I can't, I can't tell you all that. But I just can tell you this. He is so good. He's so good. And he so loves you that he'll hold you when you're weeping and he'll weep with you. He loves you. He hurts when you hurt. When you make mistakes, he's there to hold you. Didn't throw in the towel on you. He's good. He's good. And when you are getting your back beat 
and the devil was whooping you to death. He's the one that stopped the whip and brought you, and brought you freedom. He's the one. And if he never does anything again for you, if he never does anything again for you, just the fact that he's been good and the goodness of God has led you to repentance is good enough to throw your hands in the air and say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Would you lift your hands with me in this congregation today? Hallelujah. Come on, submit yourself to him today. Man, I, I keep stopping them because I keep thinking more good stuff. Can I just tell you this? This is good. If you worshiped your way in envy, you got to worship your way out. If you worshiped your way into envy, you can worship your way out. Would you close this service out by lifting your hands and say, Lord, I'm going to worship you for what I have. I'm going to bless you for your goodness. Your goodness is great. It's marvelous. It's incredible. God, you are so good to me. I thank you for forgiving me your, yourself. I love you today. I love you. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. Come on, church, somebody shout hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I love you today. Thank you for being at Parkway today. Thank you for being. Next week is our last week of In My Fields, and I, I really have a powerful message that I want to share with you next week, and we're going to be talking about something we all deal with in our fields. God bless you. Have a blessed week. Take, carry the presence of the Lord with you. God bless you.